Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Each Saturday morning at 7.30, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the low country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life now your hosts of beyond the business eric cox and leslie haywood and great saturday morning low country welcome to another edition of beyond the business heard exclusively here on 94.3 wsc every saturday morning from 7 30 to 8 thank you to our loyal listeners here in the low country for getting up and listening to great stories of entrepreneurship and leadership i'm your host here this morning eric cox and not Leslie Haywood, if you can tell by my voice, but it's Byron Stahl. I had to come back. Hillary's story was just so fascinating. I wanted to hear the she second half. She did a great <laughs> job last week. And here we are, Low Country, kicking off November. Hard to believe. Uh, two months left in the year, and uh, it's rocking and rolling along. And so is this show, by the way, with the great stories week in and week out of true inspiration about the journey along entrepreneurship. And certainly last week, uh, Hillary Johnson, who is the founder of Hatch Tribe here in Charleston did a great job, and we're talking about you like you're not here, but you did a great <laughs> job of outlining sort of your life story and how you've led into entrepreneurship. And we were just, uh, I think, departing uh, last show where Hatch Tribe was about to come to fruition and yeah. we had to leave. So unfortunately, it happens. We run out of time. Um, <laughs> and so glad you came back. Happy to be here. Glad you're ready for today. It's so ready. It will be a little bit more challenging. We're going to go deeper today. So All right. The, this is the Barbara Walters show today. Uh, Byron, what were your uh, big takeaways from Hillary's uh, show last week? Well, Hillary gave us a quote that I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed, and she said that— You're going to take my quote. I know. I can tell. I saw you writing it last week at the same time. Yeah, I know. I know. I apologize. But she said, am I making decisions for my life, or are they being made for me? And I think that's— a quote that can resonate with a lot of people that are on the fence thinking about entrepreneurship. And I think that's one of the major benefits of going out and starting your own business is taking control of your life. And actually, it wasn't my quote, so okay. I'm glad you saved me one. And uh, I'm glad to take a nugget away, Hillary. So thank I you love for this. a great this is power. Great. <laughs> I'm a quote guy, and you gave me a really good one last week when you are talking about leaping into the entrepreneurship waters, and you said doubt is a constant companion. It I is. think we all can resonate with that, and it's not the fact that doubt creeps in. It's how you deal with the doubt. Agreed. And so I know you are uh, very well versed at that, mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to hear today how I think uh, your mindset of being a glass half-full person has helped you through that process. So yeah. why don't we pick up where we left off last week, and that was at the time you had uh, left your corporate gig, moved mm-hmm. from Chicago down to the great city of Charleston, yeah. and left everything behind, yeah. and uh, started your entrepreneurship venture, uh, which was the Augusta Group doing promotions in festivals and events, Yeah, and uh, you did several of those over three or four years. What kind of transpired in your life that made you say, hey, this isn't the right spot for me, and now I'm going to go on to my next venture. Yeah. So, you know, our world was unique. We were creating festivals from the ground up. You know, we were landing on concepts that we thought were really cool that were needed in this market where there was a real opportunity to bring it to life. And give us an example of a couple of them, by the way. Charleston Beer Garden was one, Low Country Hoedown, Spring Jam Music Fest, and then Yoga Pop. And, you know, all of them really had a special place in my heart. You know, we were creating stuff that was really cool and and brought people together and, and 
really was embedded in our community. Um, and I love that part of our work, but I was also having this, this realization about festival work specifically. It's like, you're always shooting for a date. You know, there's always this date on the horizon and you're like racing towards it. And then you get there and then it's like, and now what's the next date? And so you just spend this like constant, you know, whirlwind of working in an event and working this checklist and getting to the date. And we had one colossal failure, which was that Spring Jam Music Fest, the very first year, was a two-day music festival. Ed Sheeran was our headliner. It was exciting. And that day, it dumped rain. And so we're, you know, kind of looking at what's going on, like, what are we going to do? And the first day, it rained enough that it put a huge dent in attendance, which, of course, puts a huge dent in your financials. And then on the other side, the next day, like the storms had swept in overnight. At the time, the festival was at Brittlebank Park. So, you know, it floods there, too. So everything had flooded. The river had come up. The water had come up on the street yeah. side. Lockwood was flooded. And we were like, oh, my God, wind had swept through. All of our tents were blown all over. The site was totally flooded. And Ed Sheeran's team comes out and they're looking at the stage and they're like, we're not sure about this. (laughs) So we're like, what do we do? So immediately we went into, "Okay, let's fix it mode, which we did. We managed to make the show go off, but it went off two hours late. It worked. We had to redo the entire schedule. But the team came together, rallied, made the show happen. Thank God. But at the end of that, we sat down, tallied everything up, and we'd lost $30,000. Now, consider that you can't make that up again until this event happens again. So you're carrying that. So there I am, a new entrepreneur, still in the very first year of my business. I've lost $30,000 on that event. We had made nothing on the prior ones because we were still learning. So I'm like, oh, God, I'm in the hole, you know? Well, I'm happy to say we figured it out. We figured out the things that needed to change and otherwise, but I was still having this, like, uh, how do I like having my success tied up in weather? And that was just the reality of it. It was like, if you're doing events and they're outside, and they're going to be if you're doing events that are that big, you know, weather can undermine everything that you're doing and send you underwater. And I didn't like the volatility of that. Yeah, pun not intended, but It's Saturday morning, it's early. I had to get that in there. So, you know, I had to have a real sort of come to Jesus moment with myself about this. Like, am I going to be okay continuing to build this? And can I handle the volatility of this particular industry and know that there are going to be years where we are going to lose our shirt? And am I okay with that? And the answer was no. And so it, it took me... About a year, you know, at this point, we had been successful. The events were making money. We had figured out a lot of the things that needed to be fixed. We're at about year three, and we're doing good. The company is healthy. But now, I'm as I'm thinking, like, I don't know if this is the business I really want to be in for the long haul. I had to consider what that meant, you know, and at the time, it felt like failure. I was like, if I let this go, what does this mean? Um, and so... I really I took some time to really reflect on that and think about, OK, if I step out of this, what does it mean? Is there a way that this still was a win? And over the course of that summer, I wound up in New York and, and I wound up at the festival grounds for Woodstock. Ooh. It's really cool. And I'm sitting there like up on the hill and just kind of like looking down and imagining what this must have been like to have been at Woodstock. And I suddenly have this like aha that I'm like. You know, Woodstock didn't keep going on at that venue in that place every year. It was a moment in time and it happened and then it was done, but it didn't make it any less of a success. It happened. 
That was the success. So in that moment, it was like the sky opened up and I got it. I got the lesson I needed, which was like the fact that I had created this business was the win. The fact that I had learned these things and, and could look at my myself and say, I don't want to continue to do this work. That was the win. The fact that that Spring Jam Music Fest had happened and we managed to make it work even through that rain, that was the win. It didn't matter if it went on for 50 years or it stopped at three. And so I started to really just to think about, okay, how can I step out of this? How can I make this a beautiful transition into a next chapter in my life and feel good about that and move on? Wow, what a great story. It was um, exciting at the moment. And the fact that Woodstock, <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving, know, and that's right? the best part of it. Yeah, I mean, what an iconic image that I think we can all think about, and it just resonates, I think, with each and every one of us. So as you go through this transition and you're mm-hmm. divesting yourself from this success, as you so put it, how, how did you go about divesting yourself? So, you know, we had four festivals, then all of them had separate P&Ls, so they were all effectively their own separate businesses. And what we started to look at was, are there potential buyers for these events on their own? And could someone continue to see this as an asset for themselves or their own business and, and, and bring it to life in their own way? And so I started talking to people that I knew that were in the world of wanting to raise money in the world of events in the world of nonprofits and really just seeking to to understand if there might be a market for someone to want to acquire it. Um, and Charleston Beer Garden, we were really excited because Low Country Aid Services was like, we want a really cool fundraiser. We feel like this could fit into the mix of what we want to do. It's exciting. It's fun. It's something that's not really common in the world of nonprofits to really take on their own event, mm-hmm. especially in that type. More, It's more galas and it's more smaller events. And so they became the 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 proud new owner of Charleston Beer Garden. And, you know, it's been really cool because I've been able to watch them take it and make it their own and grow it. And this year they rebranded it. They've renamed it, which has been awesome. Like, I love seeing it continue on in new light with new owners and fresh eyes on it. It's been really cool. And Low Country Hoedown ended up being purchased by the Harbor Entrepreneur Center and they used it as a fundraiser. So that was awesome. And then Yoga Pop and Spring Jam Music Fest, they're technically still my babies and I could I could I could turn them back on if I wanted to, but I probably won't uh, unless someone wants to buy them. Let me know. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's always always the good. I mean, right. right. Uh, and I, I loved all of them. They're all like different children, and they they all had their own you know unique flair. But uh, it's it it was okay for me to look at Yoga Pop and look at Spring Jam and say even if they don't have a buyer. It's still okay. I can still walk away from this because what I'm choosing is my future now. I'm not choosing to be really attached to the past. So you bring up a great uh, lesson in entrepreneurship, and that's you know recognizing when to pivot yeah. in a business and what a hard thing that is to do. Just because we're all so tied to our businesses and it's our babies, Without and you don't want, right? And so, uh, what a testament to uh, your strength to go through that. Uh, kind of a two part question, really. Was I know. You sitting there on the hill at Woodstock, you had the revelation, but were there people that are in your life along the way at moments like that that you would consider your counsel, your group that you go to? Um, describe where do you go for wise words when it comes to times like those? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, at the time, Hatch Tribe didn't exist. So I didn't have the type of support in the community that I now have and that I feel like we foster for so many women entrepreneurs. But at the time, there were some key relationships I had. Um, Rebecca Gosnell, who lives in Charleston, who also works in the festival and event world, really became one of my fiercest advocates um, and fiercest supporters for 
anything I was going through because she had worked in this world for over 20 years. And so for me to be able to look at her and say, I'm really struggling, like, I don't know if I'm making the right decision for this. And what would you do? And, you know, exploring those options with her. I mean, I I can't say enough about what that meant because I needed that. And because she had she had done it, worked in that industry and been around longer than I had, it meant a lot to have that support. And of course, you know, my parents were also really good supporters. I mean, they didn't understand it from the what it was like to run it as a business owner side, but they also understood me, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the person that I am and the, the soul that's inside of me that's like, I want to live the life that I want to live. And they've always supported me pursuing whatever that was. So when it was dance, it was pursuing that. When I wanted to live abroad in Mexico, it was that, you know, so they've been there for me. And I think having them in my wheelhouse meant a lot. Wow. Wow. So walk us through why Hatch Tribe? Where did the yeah. idea come from? Well, you know, not shockingly, you know, when you're a new entrepreneur, you're like cutting your teeth every day and thinking like, what am I doing? Because you've never done it. You know, so consider that I had come out of an eight-year corporate career where I was really good. I mean, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I was good. I was getting promoted. I knew what to do. I was making a lot of money. I was successful at it. The playbook was there. So then you step over into entrepreneurship and you're basically getting it handed to you every other week because there's a new lesson coming that you haven't figured out. You don't know how to use QuickBooks. You don't know where to find this vendor. You've never had to sell this to certain people. You've never had to hire people to come work for you. Yo, and the experiences, the yeah. So I'm 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 growing leaps and bounds every week and every day and so I'm having this real experience of feeling like a fish out of water. You know, and thinking, here I am in my 30s, and I don't know what the heck I'm doing. This is so frustrating. You know, so it really handed it to me. And then at the same time, I'm really starting to feel this sense of isolation and and loneliness, you know, because when I was in Chicago and working in that corporate job, I had my tribe. You know, I, I had coworkers. I had peers. I had my people in my work environment. Then I'm running a business from my home. I'm working at home. I'm driving the bus, which feels really cool. But then I look around and I'm like, where are my people? Like, where are the other entrepreneurs? Where are the other women that are like me doing this? And I didn't know a lot of them. Um, You know, I was still new to Charleston. I was very new to entrepreneurship. And I really wanted to find community. And I felt alone a lot of the time. And so I had had that experience, you know, early on in my entrepreneurship career. And then at the same time, once I was about three years in, there's all these women that keep coming to me that I'm meeting in Charleston. They're like, how did you do it? How did you leave that job? How did you start this business? What does that look like? And I'm realizing there's just such a temperature and a taste for wanting to find good leadership, wanting to find people that could mentor you, wanting to find this community. And so this idea is emerging, like, why can't I solve that problem? You know, could I be part of the solution that helps us, you know, really create a better community for entrepreneurs and specifically for women? Because I think there's there are have traditionally not been a lot of resources that have been devoted to getting women off the sidelines and really supporting them as they stepped into entrepreneurship. And I thought there's an opportunity here. And I really wanted to be able to solve that. And, you know, part of it was selfish, like, I want this for me. And then part of it was like, what about the world? You know, what if we really think about this in the bigger picture? You know, how does this affect women's empowerment, women's rights? If we can help people really build businesses and become successful, this changes the game on a global perspective. I don't know where to go with that. I mean, Ooh. wow. I mean, that was great. Um, so I'm sure you probably struck a chord with some listeners this morning 
Um, if there is um, a female entrepreneur listening mm-hmm. this morning or a female aspiring entrepreneur listening this morning, it's like, mm-hmm. you go, I'm going to be part of that. <laughs> Tell us how they get a hold of you, how they get yeah. involved. What's that process? Of course. So with Hatch Tribe, our, our intent really is to serve women globally. And we want people to feel like they have a place to come where they can be supported as they grow. And, you know, you need different things at different points in your entrepreneurial journey. And so when you're a budding entrepreneur and you haven't quite yet made the leap, you're going to need some certain things and certain level of support. Once you've taken the leap and you're in your first year and you're cutting your teeth on everything, you have different questions. Once you're three or four years in, it's different versus 25. But what we felt was important was that it wasn't about the length of time you'd been in business that mattered. It was that we had different voices at the table. And so our mission has been from day one to put different voices at the table because we believe that you learn upstream and downstream. So our goal is like get involved. And and typically, if you're in Charleston, you would come to a live event first and like come experience what we do. And we have an event every single month. We just had one two nights ago that was amazing called Sunset Social. And um, we do that every month. And, and really the intent there is get out of your house, come meet other entrepreneurs, connect them, realize you're not alone. Like there's other people here. But immediately after that, we're like become part of our, our, our tribe and that's becoming a member. And so we have a member circle, which is an online virtual platform for women anywhere in the world to participate. And I would say the three things that are sort of most important about that group is it's epic support. So it doesn't matter what question you have. Ask it because there are people in this group that can help you answer it without you going to Google and thinking you're getting like a really good answer. Um, the second piece is education. Because we think that there are, we know that there are things you need to learn, but you need to learn them quickly. You don't have four years to go to college to try to figure out how to run a business. There's some stuff that's pretty simple, and it could be as simple as, you know, how do you manage your Instagram account and get good results out of that? And can we help you with that? Um, So we try to educate and bring on mentors that really can help you grow, but grow at a faster pace. And then the last piece is community, and it's really building that connection so that you have people to turn to. You know, when you're looking to hire, when you're looking for someone to help you with something specific in your business, that you've got the tapped in right network of people to go to and ask um, and really get the support because you just don't have time to waste when you're an entrepreneur. So we want to shorten that on all fronts, shorten the learning curve, shorten the amount of time that you're sitting there Googling. Um, there's just a better way, much better way. Well, and it, I mean, you you said it earlier. You you wish there was something like this for you. Yeah, when you were running your business, and I think what a great way to look at starting a business is finding that need that, and mm-hmm. it, you would have been your first client. Totally. So it's a great way to go about it. Tell us about some success stories from Hatch Tribe yeah. and, and linking different entrepreneurs with one another. Absolutely, you know, there's so many, and I think that they vary. And I, you know, there's. One that comes to mind is there's a client that I've worked with. Yep, he, he actually happens to be male, um, and he has a team of about ten. And over the course of the past year, they've had a lot of turnover on their team. And you know, one of the things that's been, it's not what he set out to come to me to work with. You know, as, as his coach, it, you know, we didn't know at the time that half the team was going to leave over the course of that next six months. But as they did, it was evolving and adapting to that and understanding, like, okay, how do we build a better system here? How do we think about you know, how you can 
retain employees and how do you hire the right people to put on the team and make sure you have all the right people on the bus so that you're moving forward. Oh, good um, to great reference there. I like that. Yeah. Little Jim and, Collins. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, and that's been, you know, I love working with him and his team. And now one of the things he's made the decision to do was to bring someone on a more managerial role so that he can step into that CEO space of his business, let someone else really take some of the brass tacks running of the organization every day and really grow that business and and cultivate an amazing team with a solid culture. And that's been really cool. Um, I think the other thing is when you think about connection that's being made, it's there's not a day that goes by that we don't have someone who's like, I'm looking for someone to help with blank. And there's an immediate like, oh, I could, I could, I could, I could. And then I see them a week later and they're like, we've been working together. And watching that happen has been incredible because sometimes it's just these swift solutions and swift connections that are helping these businesses grow and scale faster. And I think right now what we're seeing is that the freelance economy is really strong. So for a lot of business owners who are not feeling really confident about hiring full time, they're not ready. They have been able to tap into the freelance market. And so those connections have been made much, much quicker um, inside Hatch Tribe and inside the member circle where it's like, I need some help on this. Like, I don't need to hire you full time. And that person's like, I don't want to be hired full time. I'm happy to help you. That has been amazing. So watching those connections be made, um, you know, and I think if we want to talk true results, I mean, there are clients that have taken their businesses from not earning consistent income, which is constantly an issue in those early couple of years to being able to say, yeah, we're consistently bringing in six figures every single year. And I think that the $100,000 mark is a very critical one, especially for a lot of entrepreneurs to say like, that is my first benchmark. Get me to $100,000. I need to be there. And watching people eclipse that is incredible. And watching them build the systems and processes to get to that is amazing. So, um, unfortunately, we're about to run out of time, which is hard to believe. But speak to the impact of the community of Charleston as a player and a role in what you're doing in building the community for women entrepreneurs. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that's incredible, incredible about this market is that it is very supportive of independent business. And, you know, this has never been a big market for chain. Uh, for chain business of much of anything. And I think there's a real temperature and a taste for that. And I think when you find the right group of people who say we're committed to supporting that, you see people make good decisions, you know, so whether they're making local purchasing decisions, you know, if Christmas is coming up, you know, where are you buying your Christmas gifts? And could you support a local local business, a local entrepreneur with that? You know, when you're hiring, could you hire someone locally? And I think there is just such an appetite and it's such a taste for that. Um, and not just here. I think we're seeing that in cities all over that are just saying we want to support more people that are really trying to come up and not just make the the easy slash convenient decision. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. So tell us about what's next. What's your vision for Hatch Tribe? Well, 2019 is a hugely exciting year. We turned three in January and then we're expanding into new cities. And so for the first time, we're going to take Hatch Tribe effectively on the road. So we're going to launch a number of cities in the first half of 2019. Uh, They will start producing events just like we do here. Opportunities to bring women entrepreneurs together, give them an opportunity to connect um, and really help us start to increase our impact. I mean, I I look at this like we are a huge part of changing the dialogue around women's empowerment and women's rights. And I think that entrepreneurship is one of the best ways in, because if you can help a woman become successful, owning a business, running a business and being profitable, she makes really amazing decisions with her money. 
It's about where she spends it. It's about who she chooses to invest in, how she invests back in her community, the types of things she's able to do for her family, for her kids, for whomever she cares about. Um, we can change the world through that, but we need more women to step off of the sidelines, more women to step up for one another. And that's exactly what we're doing. Uh, and by, you know, really growing our footprint into other markets, it's just going to help us do it faster. Sounds like a great path. You certainly have the energy, Thanks. vision, and enthusiasm <laughs> to carry that forward. And so before we run out of time, we are going to switch gears for a minute. We do what we call the lightning round. This is a page out of Leslie's book, who's not right. here today. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. First thing that comes to your mind, you just spout it out. Remember, right. the theme of our show is people you know, stories you don't. So okay. um, who do you most admire? <laughs> mm. Oh, gosh. This is the tough part of the show. I know. That's a tall order. I will say um, Melissa Miller is someone who comes to mind. She's one of the co-founders of the New Primal. She is a woman that I just endlessly admire. Um, she, She and Jason Burke, the founders of the company, have just grown that business leaps and bounds. But they constantly are looking at what they need to do better, what they need to improve. And there's just constant improvement in their in their process. She's incredible. Uh, best book you've read? Well, I just, or one of the best. Doesn't have yeah. the, the the best. I, I would say um, the one thing is a book that I I stand strongly by. Twelve week years, another one from a planning perspective. And I just finished reading "You Are a Badass at Making Money" by Jen Sincero, which I think for anybody who's got a hang up on money issues, because a lot of it is in mindset around money, uh, I think it's an important read. It's got a great title. Yeah, it's um, catchy. <laughs> what are you most proud of? Uh, I'm most proud of following my heart. Um, and really doing what is inside of me because I don't want to die feeling like I didn't do what was, I needed to do. That's good. And then something that's on your bucket list. Going to Antarctica. It's on my my to-do list. It's like what keeps me most motivated. So that is where I want to go. And then the last one, we're going to expose you a little bit here, but maybe yeah. something about you, a quality, a trait, something you've done that most people that maybe even know you well don't know about you. Well, I'm a closet or an introvert, which you probably wouldn't know listening to me or sitting here with me, but I recharge alone. So I can spend all day out and engage with our community and I love it and it lights me up. But my precious moment is like getting to step back and be quiet and have reflective time and be alone. But that's probably the only child in me. Awesome. Hillary Johnson, founder of Hatch Tribe. Thank you so much for your time, your story. It's very inspiring. We appreciate you sharing it with our listeners. And again, to our listeners, thank you for joining us every Saturday morning, 730 here on 94.3 WSC for another edition of Beyond the Business. And until next Saturday, have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Tune in next Saturday morning at 7.30 for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 94.3 WSC.